How are you? Welcome to Monday on the Puro Pelka podcast. Michael Pelka with you back from CPAC. Yeah, what an adventure. I was in D.C. Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. I came home Friday night and had quite an adventure on my ride home. I will explain later as I had an hour and a half conversation with a prominent liberal one half of a major D.C. power couple. I know, that sounds weird, right? But it was a civilized, a very civilized discussion. I'll get into it. I'll share some of the stories. I'll tell you who it is. It's uh, Chuck Todd's wife. Yeah. Chuck Todd's wife, uh, Christian, with a K, sat across from me in a very uh, cozy one-on-one conversation from Washington, D.C. to Wilmington, Delaware. We'll share later on. We'll also get into Chris Rock's special that's getting a lot of attention. I know everybody's focused on the slap because Rock wanted to tell what was finally in his head after a year after he was slapped by Will Smith on the Oscars. And uh, there's more to that comedy special than just the slap discussion, and we should get into that. Donald Trump addressed the faithful at CPAC after he won the straw poll at CPAC. And let's make one thing clear. The straw poll at CPAC is not a true, legitimate national poll. It's not even a legitimate poll of Republicans because... In order to vote in the straw poll at CPAC, you have to be there. You have to have paid to buy a ticket. Or like me, you had to be a member of the media. So it's biased. And no shock that Donald Trump won the straw poll handily over uh, Governor DeSantis. DeSantis was not there. Trump was there. His fans were there. And there were a lot of them there. But there weren't as many fans, general fans of the Republican Party, as I've seen in the past. This is my 12th CPAC. So it was different. But Trump still won, and he won by a large margin, 40-point spread between Trump and DeSantis. But I said, this is not a fair poll. I guess that's what we'll say. It's not a fair poll. It's a big poll, but it's not a fair poll. And it's an indication that Trump still has the base of the GOP, which is a good place to start if you're running for president. Now, Nikki Haley was there. Uh, Vivek Ramiswamy was there. And Mike Pompeo, who has not announced but is kind of anticipated by many to be a possible 2024 candidate. We shall see. We're paying attention. But there were great speakers at CPAC, as, you know, in, this, in addition to Donald Trump, who held forth for almost two hours. And really, he, he puts Joe Biden to shame when Trump speaks in public. And I, I will tell you, he looked presidential. Unlike Joe Biden, who always makes us nervous. I, can you imagine how nervous his communications team is every time he stands up there and starts drifting off the teleprompter script? Start saying dumb stuff. I, I, I may be a white boy, but I'm not stupid. Well, let's uh, let's discuss that, shall we, Joey? Yeah. I think we know the answer to that. The weird part is, uh, over the weekend, 
We also had uh, Jill Biden, the president's wife, the first lady, asked by CNN if Joe would take a cognitive test. You know, the one Nikki Haley wants all politicians over 75 to take. The exchange to me is fascinating. It's is calling for mental competency tests for those politicians over the age of 75. What do you it's think about that? Ridiculous. Would your husband ever take one of those? I mean, we haven't even discussed. We would never even discuss something like that. Now, interesting. She calls the notion of having a cognitive test for people running for the presidency, people over 75 running for the presidency, ridiculous. That's her her statement. And then she's kind of not going to say anything else, hoping, I guess, that the reporter won't press it. The reporter pressed it again, but Jill never really answered the question. Hear this exchange again. This is one of one of the most telling 20 seconds of the past 48 hours. Nikki Haley, one of the Republican candidates, is calling for mental competency tests for those politicians over the age of 75. What do you think about that? Ridiculous. Would your husband ever take one of those? I mean, we haven't even discussed. We would never even discuss something like that. Huh. She never answered the question. She just thinks it's a ridiculous idea. But they all wanted Donald Trump to take a cognitive test, didn't they? They were talking about having him thrown out of the White House using uh, the 25th Amendment to get the president's cabinet to turn on him because they thought he was crazy. They thought he had mental problems. But no, don't you even bring it up around Joe Biden. I, I, I may be a white boy, but I'm not stupid. Yeah, sure. It was a fascinating weekend for me, and I get energized by CPAC. And I will tell you, I called it Trump PAC because it is mostly Trump people who were in attendance this year. I was surprised that we didn't see as many younger people. CPAC is usually a blend of um, older, older Republicans, like people who are 40 plus. And then there is always a huge group of high school and college Republicans. And for some reason, they weren't as prevalent or noticeable among the crowd. Is it something to do with other groups that are growing, like Turning Point USA? Maybe. I don't know. Perhaps it's because they moved it a little bit and it conflicts with spring break. That's a possibility, too. And the other possibility, and maybe the biggest factor in attendance at CPAC this year, is the fact that it's an off year. There was not a midterm election going on this year. There's not a presidential election going on this year. So I will bet you CPAC 2024 is going to be massive. And it's going to be jam-packed, and God willing, I will be there. I saw many, many speakers at CPAC and some of the panels, and the ones I attended were great. My favorite, I, I, I'm not going to say Donald Trump was my favorite because I wasn't there. I watched it on TV, but I have some favorite moments from it. My favorite was John Kennedy, John F. Kennedy from Louisiana, the senator who I think is one of the greatest in my lifetime. And he was entertaining and educational at the same time.
John Kennedy could have been holding forth on a Vegas stage, and he delivered. He delivered a brilliant performance. Let me just play a couple of things from that uh, address by Senator Kennedy. The truth is, I do not hate anyone. I do not hate anyone. Now, the theme of his address was the truth is dot, 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 and then he would share different truths. So this early truth that he doesn't hate anyone was a wonderful setup for the end of the line. I look for grace wherever I can find it. So I say this gently. The Biden administration sucks. He had him right there. He had the audience in the palm of his hand right there. And he followed that up right after that laughter started to fade with some actual facts. You measure it any way you want. COVID, the economy, inflation, the national debt, the border, crime, cancel culture, treating parents like domestic terrorists. Afghanistan, our energy independence, now lost. Yeah, those are hard facts. And then he punctuates it with more entertainment. If the aliens landed in Washington, D.C. tomorrow and said, take me to your leader, it would be embarrassing. Yes, it would be. It would be. Uh, Senator Kennedy talking about America overall and how we're not a perfect nation. Now, look, America is not perfect, but we are good. And I cannot imagine what the world would be like without our country. The truth is that common sense is illegal in Washington, D.C. I know. I've seen it firsthand. I wonder sometimes how some people in Washington, D.C., actually made it through the birth canal. It's a good question. It's a very good question. Senator Kennedy delivering truth and laughter in, in one fabulous package with a crowd that was with him the whole way. The truth is that, that race should not be used to hurt a person or to help a person. Amen. You know why? Because... The truth is also that souls have no color. The truth is that to a bear, we all taste like chicken. One of my favorite lines from his address, uh, we all taste like chicken. All of us. The truth is that to a bear, we all taste like chicken. I enjoyed that one. I'm going to keep that on my soundboard. But I did like his take on racism saying souls have no color. I think that's a great line. Anytime someone asks you about racism, I would repeat that. Souls have no color. Senator Kennedy dared to take it to serious places as well as some of the silly places. And I appreciate when he... Uh, he turbocharges his speeches with gravitas. The truth is that all life is precious. All life. And shame on those who celebrate 
actually celebrate abortion. Isn't it amazing that people would celebrate an abortion? And yet we have that. We have the left trying to do that. It's uh, it's stunning to me. Senator Kennedy brought clarity in uh, in the form of brevity when he talked about what's going on on our southern border. The truth is that illegal immigration is illegal. Duh. Yeah, I love I love that one. Duh. Anyone else? Anyone else realize? Well, it's called illegal immigration. Guess what? It's illegal. Yeah, uh, we know it, you know it, they know it. He also brought up China, and I think it's important that uh, China stays on the front page. The truth is that the Chinese Communist Party is a bunch of gangsters. Mm-hmm. They are. They're pirates. I would not turn my back on President Xi if he were two days dead. Yep, yep, that's uh, absolute truth. Very, very solid. Senator Kennedy also supports the Second Amendment, as do I. And uh, I think it's not just for the individual citizen. I think our military needs to make sure we're armed to the teeth so nobody will take us for granted. And uh, I think we need to be smart about what we're doing in Ukraine. But uh, the senator talked about the importance of being armed. We must be armed if we want peace. Ronald Reagan, peace through strength, and he proved it, took the Soviet Union apart by being stronger and getting them into an arms race. Uh, Senator Kennedy talking about truth and conspiracies. The truth is that we are going to have to get some new conspiracy theories. Because all the old ones came true. I think we're 42 and 0 when it comes to conspiracy theories. Senator Kennedy talking about the madness of the left. This one is epic. The truth is that Americans aren't perfect. We're not. But the other side is crazy. Mm-hmm. Now, Americans do not deserve to be governed by deeply weird nauseously woke people who hate George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, Abraham Lincoln, Dr. Zeus, and Mr. Potato Head, who hyperventilate on their yoga mats if you use the wrong pronoun, who think kids should be able to change their gender at recess, who carry around Ziploc bags of kale to give them energy, and who think they are better than us. By the way, to me, kale tastes like I'd rather be fat. I am with you, sir. I am with you a thousand percent on kale. I'm not on the kale parade. Not even close. Senator Kennedy dared to be serious in his presentation. As funny as he is, he is strong and serious. And he talked about our need to get real. The truth is that our future can be better than our present or our past. Our future can be better than our present or our past. At some point, we have to stop regretting yesterday and start creating tomorrow. But I'm not going to bubble wrap it. 
No one is coming. No one is coming to save us but ourselves. What a powerful concept. No one is coming to save us but ourselves. That is that belief, that self-reliance that made America what it is and gave us our standing in the world today. He continues with that thinking. You know, most countries die from suicide, not murder. If we want to keep America, we have to fight for her. Now, the Washington elites, we know them. They may cause deplorables. They may think we are not real people. But we are real people, and we need to get real mad. I support this. We do need to be angry. And we need to tell the left, we're done with you. That is my unofficial rebranding of CPAC. Hey, liberals, we're done with you. We're absolutely done with you. We want to we wanna be a strong, independent country filled with independent thinkers. And we need to get people back into the belief that a good work ethic is vital to that. The truth is that the best social program is a job. Sometimes, not always, but sometimes the best way to get back on your feet is to get off your ass. Amen. Get off your ass and get on your feet. Now, not everybody can do that. But the majority, the overwhelming majority of the people in this country have the ability to support themselves. But for the last 20 years, the Democrats have been telling us, well, we just have to take care of so many people. No, you made it too easy. You made it too damn easy. Ben Franklin said the best welfare program is making someone uncomfortable so they will want to get out of it. A hand up, not a hand out. Senator Kennedy also talking about taxes briefly. The truth is that if you worked hard and earned it, you should get to keep most of it. Uh-huh. Why? Because you earned it. Yep. Yep. That's uh, absolutely spot on, sir. Thank you. Senator Kennedy uh, really, really brought home so much knowledge, but he also brought home a great deal of laughter. If you put President Biden in charge of the Sahara Desert, he would run out of sand. Pretty quickly, too, I imagine. My favorite, though, was uh, the way Senator Kennedy started bringing things home. The way Senator Kennedy started teaching people about what's really important in this country. What Senator Kennedy said about uh, Arlington National Cemetery. Senator Kennedy was just absolutely epic on, I guess it was Friday morning? Or was it Thursday morning? I, I get all of CPAC starts to blend together. So join with me. Help me fight for America. Help me fight for America. We will win this fight. We will win this fight if we just remember who we are as Americans. Yeah, we have to remember who we are as Americans. And we're, we're always scrapping with the left 
because they're trying to tell us how bad America is when we need to step up and say America is the greatest country ever and it needs to remain the greatest country if if the rest of the world is going to survive. The rest of the world really relies on us. Just look at Ukraine, even though I have serious questions about what the heck is going on in Ukraine and who is paying attention. If we fail, the world fails. If we fail, freedom fails. It, it really is a frightening thought, is it not? Am I crazy to say that? I don't think so. I also love this was near the end of Senator Kennedy's address when he brought a powerful, powerful moment with this thought about the national anthem. The truth is that Arlington National Cemetery contains 400,000 reasons why you should stand your ass up for the national anthem. Standing ovation. Absolutely standing ovation. Folks, I do not know how my story will end. I don't. But I do know this. No one will ever say, Kennedy quit. God bless you, and God bless America. Yes, God bless America. Senator John Kennedy with a rousing address. At CPAC. And then CPAC closed with Donald Trump. I'll give you a little more CPAC, but I, I want to bring Donald Trump's thoughts in here because they were um, they were stellar. And the left is going to focus on what they are calling a lackluster attendance. You got to remember, it's midterms again. It was not even midterms. It was an off year, off year CPAC. Fox didn't show up. The people at the blaze didn't have a booth. So maybe people are trying to save a little money and wait till election year. But Trump had a full room and an enthusiastic room. And he reminded the faithful that uh, while it looks like the media and the Democrats are coming after him, the deep state is coming after him. That's not the real target. They know that we can defeat them. They know that we will defeat them. But they're not coming after me. They're coming after you. And I'm just standing in their way. That's all I'm doing. I'm standing in their way. Yep. That was a very pro-Trump audience. And uh, Donald Trump told him the truth. I'm there to protect you. Absolutely. He got a lot of applause. I got to get back to the beginning of this clip here. And that's why I'm here today. That's... Why I'm standing before you, because we are going to finish what we started. We started something that was a miracle. We're going to complete the mission. We're going to see this battle through to ultimate victory. We're going to make America great again. I think that's a great, uh, a great indication of Trump's strength with the base. Of course. He had him standing, standing in the uh, in the auditorium and chanting USA, USA. Right there. Uh, Donald Trump also said something that uh, that appears to have uh, t 
ticked off the left. Donald Trump said something that has the left uh, kind of grasping on, uh, on one word that Donald Trump said. One single word appears to have triggered the left. But isn't that how it works? The left gets triggered by one thing Donald Trump said, in case you missed it. The Trump-triggering word of the CPAC speech was retribution. We don't have free press. We don't have free anything. In 2016, I declared, I am your voice. Today, I add, I am your warrior. I am your justice. And for those who have been wronged and betrayed, I am your retribution. I am your retribution. So he said, for the people who have been wronged and betrayed, I am your retribution. Now, the the left is latching onto that word and trying to make it sound like, oh, Donald Trump's going to lead an insurrection. They're so wrong. And they're so confused. And they're so triggered. Which is fun because it takes them off, off track. Donald Trump also talked about the things he was going to do. And some of the language here is really important to note. How Mr. Trump, former President Trump, talks about the people who support him and how they are basically partners in this. With you at my side, we will demolish the deep state. We will expel the war mongers. They are people that don't get it, although in some cases they get it. They get it for their wallets. But we can't do that. We can't let that happen. We will drive out the globalists. We will cast out the communists. We will throw off the political class that hates our country. They actually hate our country. No walls, no borders, bad elections, no voter ID. We will beat the Democrats. We will rout the fake news media. We will expose and appropriately deal with the rhinos. We will evict Joe Biden from the White House. And we will liberate America from these villains and scoundrels once and for all. Once and for all. Let's really drain the swamp. He's got this, uh, this new line, the villains and scoundrels. Yes, they are. And they've proven themselves to be that. Mr. Trump also made a vow to keep us out of World War III. But I stand here today, and I'm the only candidate who can make this promise. I will prevent, and very easily, World War III, very easily. And you're going to have World War III, by the way. You're going to have World War III. If something doesn't happen fast, you're going to have World War III. Yeah, I, I think he's spot on there. If you don't get some strength, you, you universal strength, and that means American strength, stepping to the front and telling all the parties involved, you're going to cut this out. We're going to fix this. Telling um, Russia to get the hell out of Ukraine and telling China, uh, we're not going to play around here. China doesn't seem to be afraid of us. I, I talked with Gordon Chang, the great Gordon Chang, Gordon G. Chang on Twitter, of course. And uh, we were discussing China and discussing the past, say, 33 days because it was January, March, no, it was February 3rd that the Chinese balloon scandal happened. 
And I said, it's been a crazy three days. And, and China seems to be, well, they just seem to be doing whatever the heck they want. I mean, it's been an important time, consequential, because American people have woken up. It's sort of like the Sputnik moment. You know, October 1957, Yeah, the Soviets launched the first artificial satellite of the Earth, and we woke up. Yeah. But did we forget about it? It seems like the, the whole balloon issue has suddenly fallen away, or it was shot down. Well, you know, these days, one story comes right after the other. But I think people understand that we've got, some, we've got to do something now. And especially just an hour, a couple hours ago, um, a research institute in Australia published a report saying that China was ahead of the U.S. in most areas, most scientific areas. So it was a real wake-up call. Wow. So I, I, if you combine that, Gordon, with on the heels of the now general acceptance of the lab leak theory, um, this is a pivotal moment. But I, can we make China pay for any and all of this? Well, not with the current administration. You know, President Biden has uh, met with Xi Jinping. He did that last November at the G20 in Bali. Before that, he had five phone or video conferences with the Chinese leader. Not once has the president raised the issue of the origins of COVID-19. This is something that, as of this morning, is something like 1,120,000 Americans have been killed by a disease that should have never left China. Yeah. 1,120,000 or so. I mean, people dispute the number, but the point is more than zero is too many. Yeah. Yes, sir. And the, the noise you're hearing is the, the live crowd at CPAC as you walk down the media row. And there were a bunch of radio stations just buddied up against to each other. And the, uh, the people were crawling through getting to where they were going to their seats. I continue to talk to Gordon Chang about not just COVID, but about how Dr. Fauci and China were in bed together on this. And uh, he has a lot to say about Dr. Fauci. And I think Fauci has a guilty conscience. Um, Remember, 2014, the Obama administration uh, imposes the moratorium on federal funding of -of gain-of-function research on American soil because it was too dangerous. So what does Fauci do? Well, he starts to fund gain-of-function research at the Wuhan Institute of Virology in what looks to be a Chinese biological weapons lab. And then, you know, had famous two confrontations with Senator Rand Paul um, at that Senate hearing where Fauci said he did not fund gain-of-function in the Wuhan Institute. Well, there are actually two scientific papers public one from 2016, the other from 2017, by researchers at the Wuhan Institute, clearly describing gain-of-function research, and they acknowledge, both papers acknowledge funding from the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, which Fauci at the time was the head of. So, I mean, the guy committed perjury, um, and I think he committed perjury because he knew that if he admitted that he had funded that, that then the American people would have imposed costs on him. So, you know, it's, in other words, sent him to jail, which is now where he belongs, if nothing else, for perjury. I agree. And, and now we're learning today there is a, uh, a, a new cache of emails that have turned up. Thank you, Jim Jordan, for never giving up. A new cache of emails that proves what we knew about Dr. Fauci and what we've been talking about this podcast 
for over a year is that Fauci knew, and he knew because he was a part of it. And last week, Jim Jordan was ranting about Dr. Fauci's denials as well. He knew three years ago, January 31st, 2020, he gets an email from Dr. Anderson that says, virus looks engineered, virus not consistent with evolutionary theory. The next day, he gets another email from Dr. Gary, which, which says, I don't know how this happens in nature, but it would be easy to do in a lab. Those guys changed their story a few days later after a conference call with Dr. Fauci. And then, of course, three months after that, those two doctors, Dr. Anderson and Dr. Gary, get a $9 million research grant from none other than Dr. Fauci. He had to hide this because it was our tax dollars going to the Wuhan Institute of Virology doing gain-of-function research. And so he had to cover it up, and that's what he continues to do even up to today. And it is wrong, but the American people see through it all. And we're going to find out because now they have the emails from Fauci between these two other guys basically colluding on a plot to attack the people who talked about the lab leak theory. It really is criminal. And Fauci deserves to be perp-walked. Fauci deserves to be arrested and tried for what he did. And it also was your money and my money that was involved. I know our friends are saying, oh, you're a conspiracy. No, we're not. We now have the proof. We have the absolute proof. We also talked with uh, one of Donald Trump's biggest advisors, Cash Patel, Cash with a K. He was, as you remember, the, uh, the chief of staff at the Pentagon in the last year of the Trump administration. And uh, we talked to uh, Cash about how um, the people at CPAC were waking up to the fact that uh, we're done with the liberals. We're done with the far left. We have told them, liberals, we're done with you. And Cash agrees. I mean, that's... I'm, I wish it wasn't the case. I wish we weren't right. doing the C, I told you so, on the border, right. on drugs, on education, on national security, on Iran, on Russia, on China. Inflation. On Palestine, inflation, the right. Chinese CCP. Every, you know, what we've been doing, what y'all have been doing, rightfully so, and taking it on the chin for doing it is putting out the truth. Yeah. And... We have to make sure that message doesn't resonate with just the folks that show up at CPAC, but other Americans who are going to carry Donald Trump into the White House, I believe, in the next election cycle. And I think that's what he's doing. He's laid that agenda out. How am I going to take on China? What am I going to do about Iran? What about Russia? Yeah. Are we going to get into another world war? No. He has all of these policy decisions laid out on Truth Social, actually, every week. And I think they're very powerful. The Trump policies are undeniably wise policies in my opinion, and probably in yours. And it deals with being strong as a nation, but also facing down the bad guys and telling them we're, we're not going to be doing this. And it becomes evident to everybody that Donald Trump has greater skill in, in this kind of confrontation. He also has a better skill in identifying who the bad guys are, Cash Patel knew that. You know, look, President Trump can read people better than anyone I've ever seen and, and read the room and then read the right response to it. And that was the thing. He didn't say you have to become best friends with Putin, right. but at least Putin took his phone calls. Right now, the CCP and the Russian Federation doesn't take the phone calls of our commander in chief or our secretary of defense. Just think about that. The United States of America can't get on the phone with Russia and China, our two biggest adversaries. And, and, and that's what Trump was saying. Get in the room with them. Yeah. Get in the room with Zelensky and see what happens. Make a play. 
for America instead of committing billions and likely our United States military to be on the ground in the Ukraine and turn it into the next Afghanistan. Yeah. And yeah, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't our generals say that if we were going to do anything militarily, we would call well, China <laughs> and tell them ahead of time? That was our, By the that way, was our fan favorite, Milley, uh, <laughs> Chairman Milley. But, and that's the thing, you know, the, the guy publicly said he yeah. would betray the United States, and now he can't get on the phone with the very people he was going to hat tip our maneuvers to from a defense perspective. Right. That's the tectonic shift we have. For the first time, and at least that I can remember, yeah. America is no longer a leader on the global stage, but we are taking instructions and cues from almost everyone else. Isn't that amazing? It truly is. The other side of the coin is our coins, our currency, and our dollar is, um, is under attack by China. And Russia's helping, and so is Iran. And I asked Cash about the dollar being replaced at the instructions of the Chinese. It's one of the most critical conversations no one's having because it's not a sexy topic. You want to talk about the renminbi and the, you know, the Chinese currency? Yeah. But Donald Trump talked about China manipulating its currency all the time. Right. Last week he just set out a plan where we were gonna, he would issue extensive tariffs on not just people but businesses if and when China manipulates its currency, like it's doing now yep. with other allies who of the United States, Saudis and the Emiratis and all our great allies of America, but right now they don't care about America. They're making arrangements and agreements with other countries because we are not at the table. Right. Yeah, that's exactly what's going on. And it's uh, China, China, China that is paying attention to what we're doing everywhere in the world and getting ready to take advantage. They're just upping their military as we speak investing more in their military, preparing for God knows what. A lot of people think it's uh, an invasion of Taiwan. And what will this administration do should that happen? All right, let's slide over a little bit to something outside of CPAC. A lot going on this past weekend. In fact, Saturday night, Chris Rock finally spoke out, finally addressed the uh, situation with Will Smith slapping him almost a year ago at the Oscars. Uh, what a brilliant move to uh, wait a year and then tee up a special. He's probably getting a whole bunch of money. It wasn't all about Will Smith. As a matter of fact, it took him quite a while to get to the Will Smith topic. But Chris Rock brought up some really important current stuff and found a great way to make fun of it. For example, the former Royals. Megan and Harry. That sh she went through was not racism. It was just some in-law <laughs> So she's complaining. I'm like, what the fuck is she talking about? No, Oprah, they're so racist. They wanted to know how brown the baby was going to be. They're so racist. They wanted to know how brown the baby's going to be. I'm like, that's not racist. Because even black People want to know. <laughs> how brown the baby gonna be? Yeah, it was great. It's absolutely great. He also gave, he, Chris Rock, in his live special, gave a, a great example of um, where we are today as a society. Where we are in terms of victimhood. 
This was fascinating. The biggest addiction in America is attention. We are addicted to attention. Can't get enough attention. We used to want love. Now we just want likes. <laughs> Posting up pathetic pictures. This is me eating sushi, like me. <laughs> Easiest way to get attention is to be a victim. If everybody claims to be a victim, when the real victims need help, ain't nobody gonna be there to help them. And right now we live in a world where the emergency room is filled up with motherfuckers with paper cuts. Okay? Everybody trying to be a victim. Yeah, that's a great point. And I, I can't stand the victimhood mentality. It is just weakness. And then he finally got around to Chris Rock and the Will Smith slap. He, Chris Rock, got around to the Will Smith slap. This was uh, Saturday night, and it was live on Netflix. You can watch it if you're a Netflix subscriber. You can watch the whole thing now. But let's give you a little bit of what happened as Chris Rock tried to explain and maybe fight back a little bit himself. Y'all know what happened to me. Getting smacked by Suge Smith. Everybody knows. Everybody fucking knows. Yes, it happened. I got smacked like a year ago. Last week, I got smacked in the fucking Oscars by this motherfucker. And people like, did it hurt? It still hurts. Yes, it does. Still hurts, Chris Rock. It still hurts. He also um, really threw some shade on Will Smith because of Will Smith and wife's apparent open relationship. And maybe that has something to do with the smack. Uh, if you want to see the whole thing, you can watch it. But if you are um, if you are offended by the N-word or F-bombs, you might want to avoid it then. Because there are more N-words and F-bombs than I can ever recall hearing in an hour. <laughs> Pretty amazing. Uh, wokeness is everywhere in our world, and there are people trying to do something about it. Last week, uh, when uh, International Women's Day happened, there was something that made a lot of us stop and say, that's got to be a joke, right? When Hershey came out with a International Women's Day chocolate bar using a trans person, in other words, someone pretending to be a woman, on the candy bar, and they call it her, she, using the pronouns. And a lot of us went, no, no, the Great American Chocolate Bar didn't just insult us. Well, yes, they did. So the Hershey candy bar from Hershey's with a man dressing up as a woman and claiming to be a woman is how they are eliminating women. I, I don't understand why women don't, don't stand up and go, stop canceling us. That's what they're doing. Well, the Daily Wire has Jeremy Baring, who did uh, a basic attack on the razor industry when those subscription razor companies showed up and went woke. And now he is uh, awakened again with a, uh, a, new, a new attack on the woke ideology with Jeremy's Chocolates. And it was announced 
via the internet. Check it out. International Women's Day is upon us again, and I love an international woman. But our friends over at Hershey's, they don't even know what a woman is. They've hired a biological male to be the spokesperson for their Women's Day campaign. And they're calling that campaign, and I swear I'm not making this up, her, she. Her, she. It's humiliating. And it's the reason that I'm launching Jeremy's Chocolate. We have two kinds, she, her, and he, him. One of them's got nuts. If you need me to tell you which one it is, keep giving your money to Hershey's. But if you're tired of giving your money to woke corporations that hate you, and you're looking for a delicious chocolate bar from a company that actually wants your business, head over to IHateHershey's.com and order Jeremy's Chocolate today. I did. I ordered. And you can order too. IHateHershey's.com is where you go. It's not a boycott of Hershey's. It's a boycott of a very, very clever idea. Well done, Jeremy. Very well done. All right, a couple other stories we have to get to. Uh, Bernie Sanders. Bernie, Bernie Sanders. My mouth is tired. Bernie Sanders was on with Bill Maher, and I thought this was remarkable. Again, Bill Maher gets people to say things that make common sense when uh, their public persona is more in line with some pretty dumb things that come out of the left. Bernie Sanders talking with Bill Maher about uh, equity versus equality. Did we expect Bernie not to know the difference? I got to tell you, I was a little surprised. A lot of people hear equity and they hear equality. That It's the same word. And it's not the same word in the same concept. So how would you differentiate between equity and equality? Well, equality, we talk about, uh, I don't know what the answer to that is. Are you not stunned? I mean, Bernie Sanders can't immediately answer the difference between equity and equality. And he seemed to be ruminating on it there for a couple of minutes. And as he started to give that answer and then said, wait a minute, I don't know. It seemed to come to him at least a little bit. Come to think of it, you know, uh, equality is equality of opportunity. All right? We live in a society we want all people right. to have whatever color your skin is. Equity, I think, is more a guarantee of outcome, is it not? I yeah, think- I think so. I think that's Okay. Fine. So which, do you come, which side do you come down on? Uh, equality. Equality. Uh, yeah. Interesting that the socialist who often would have pushed for equity, meaning everyone gets the same outcome, realizes that that's a bad idea. That's a really bad idea. It's a terrible idea. I'm glad he figured that out. I was getting a little nervous there because you you would have expected Bernie Sanders to have uh, the clarity on that. But he's um, he's got hope. There's hope for Bernie Sanders to get it right. He said equality is more important, or at least he's on the side of equality over equity. Equity is just such a, such a strange creation of the far left. It's a way of, they think, leveling the playing field when that's really what equality is all about. Equality of opportunity, not equality of outcomes. I'm glad he figured it out. 
Uh, we also had um, some interesting stuff happen on one of the Sunday talk shows when Governor Sununu of New Hampshire was asked about Ronna McDaniel, who's the head of the uh, RNC. Ronna McDaniel saying she wants a pledge from everybody to support the party's nominee once someone wins the enough primary votes and to have the our, the Republican nomination come time for the 2024 election. And Governor Sununu said something pretty interesting. Yeah, look, I, I'm a lifelong Republican. I'm going to support the Republican nominee. When you look at what's coming out of the White House, it, it isn't Democrat policies. It's real left-wing, extreme agenda-type stuff that is not in the best interest of this country. And I have no doubt that any solid Republican is, is, would be better than, than, um, than what comes out. As far as former President Trump, I think he's going to run, obviously. He's in the race. He's not going to be the nominee. That's just not going to happen. Um, and so I think there's a lot of opportunity to bring forward what the, yeah. the Republican Party, not what we were, not yesterday's leadership or yesterday's story um, or, or crying about what happened in November of 22, but what we're going to bring to the table and get done tomorrow. That's what America is looking for. And so I'm really confident that whoever comes out uh, of the Republican nomination process is, uh, is going to lead this country and, and will be able to deliver a win in 24. And I'll back them. So interesting that Sununu believes, and he's a Republican, Sununu believes that Donald Trump will not win the nomination despite the overwhelming support he has in several national polls as well as the CPAC straw poll. We'll keep an eye on that one. And uh, as, a, uh, as an interesting pivot there, that interview happened on Meet the Press with Chuck Todd. And as I mentioned at the very start of the show, on my way back from CPAC, I spent about an hour and a half talking with Chuck Todd's wife. Her name is Christian with a K. They're married almost 21 years. And they have a couple of kids. Kids are, I believe, 18 and 16. One's in college, one's in high school. Their daughter is in college down in Miami, I think studying to be some kind of marine scientist. And the son is a 16-year-old. And, you know, who knows what he's focused on. If he's a 16-year-old, he's probably focused on having a good time and just being a kid. I will tell you this. Chuck Todd's wife is a leftist. Chuck Todd's wife has made money in, uh, in the politics end of it. And she also teaches at Columbia. But she's also a human being. We had a very interesting back-and-forth discussion about politics a little bit but about parenting i asked her how she dealt with it in the pandemic how tough was it on her kids and the answers were interesting to me and i'm not going to betray the conversation we had on the train but i will tell you this and we agreed we agreed wholeheartedly there is more that we have in common left and right there's a lot more than we have in common than the mainstream media would have you believe. We're not that far apart. And the best way for us to stop the division in the country is to stop the shouting and maybe talk to each other. And bring your facts when you're coming to make an argument. An argument isn't always yelling either. It's a discussion. You bring your idea. 
The other side brings their idea. Maybe you convince them. Maybe you bring them over a little bit. I don't know. How do I know that we're closer than we think? Well, the Todds, Chuck and Christy, go to the same dentist as the Schlapps, Matt and Mercedes. And they often see each other in the waiting room. Isn't that funny? D.C. is a very small village, I guess. No, they live in Virginia, but just across the Potomac, if you will. It truly is the reality that the the media, the big voices in the media, want us all at each other's throats. And that's that's for them. They think it'll bring more eyeballs to television, more ears to radio, more clicks to the Internet. But the real answer is uh, a smart conversation is worth more than all of that. We can disagree without being disagreeable. And I gave my card to Christian. And I said, if, um, if you ever want to connect, if Chuck ever wants to know the inside story, here's my card. And it had the website, puropelka.com, where I post links to stories that make me make me think a couple of times. There's not a whole lot on there. Just every morning I put a, a dozen stories up there that you should know about, puropelka.com. And she looked at me and she said, you know we're going to check. And I said, go ahead. I'm not afraid of it. I'm, I'm not hiding anything about who I am. But I, uh, I thought that was a fascinating discussion with a far lefty who happens to be one half of a power couple. I'd like to talk to Chuck Todd. Like to have him as a guest. Maybe it'll happen. Maybe it won't. We'll see. All right, I have to get out of here tomorrow. Uh, of course, a uh, special guest on the podcast. One of our regulars will join us. And maybe we'll get Wendy Patrick to explain the, the appeal process in the Murdoch trial as he's going away for life. Or he thinks he's got an appeal shot to not have to go away for life. We'll see. And uh, Lauren Fix has a story on that weird thing that Ford Motor Company is doing. You'll find out. It's Michael Pelka reminding you, testudo, my friends, testudo. (laughs) 